Welcome to my mom's podcast. You're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast, where we chat with educators, community members, and advocates of early childhood alike through candid and real conversations, focusing on the person behind the practice, along with some tips and strategies as well. I'm your host, Marisa. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is a special drop, a special podcast episode. I'm Marisa, and I am joined with some tequila and my lovely and intelligent colleague, Carla. Welcome, Carla. Hey, happy Friday. I know. Happy Friday. I have to tell you guys, um, we are coming to you guys from this awesome spot, Studio Highway 85. Studio 85. Studio 85 here in Peoria. I made the drive. Um. So lucky to have Joe here doing the audio for us in the background. But if you haven't heard of this location, they're doing a ton of creative trade show, marketing, making, um, getting involved with the community, with the homeschool community on entrepreneurship. They have a podcast studio here in their warehouse location that's available. So I'll make sure and put that information in our show notes so that you guys can connect with them if you are looking to do a podcast yourself. But thank you. It's incredible. Yeah. And the tequila I helps. I have studio envy. The tequila absolutely helps <laughs> on a Friday after teaching. Can't guarantee you'll get tequila yourself, but we did. So it should be a good episode today. Yeah, y'all should host happy hours. <laughs> That's the eventual plan. That's the plan. That's the plan Joe says. Get wrecked and record. Yes. Hashtag get wrecked and record. Oh, <laughs> coin that one. I like it. like it. Don't put that in there. No. Or maybe it's fine. Maybe. So, um, I mean, I think it should be a good uh, segue that we're going to definitely drop some truth bombs here. I think every time we get together, I mean, we have to just keep it real, right? Yeah, we got a good, we were on the same realness wavelength. (laughs) Um, So I wanted us to get together because we are going to be embarking on a new project called Hashtag Latinas in Ed. And do you want to just, so it's not just me. I know we're doing the hashtag um, uh, fingers. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Latinas in Ed. Will you talk about how this started? So, I, so it's just not me talking right now? Yes. I I think it was just one of those things where we have been in cahoots all year. Um, I, I still remember the day that I caught a glimpse of you from across the table at the Henry for the Yes Phoenix, I think it was a, a, yeah, women, a women's happy hour. Women's entrepreneurship happy hour. And I just feel like we've we continue to like kind of sort of collaborate and dabble together. Trying and, and, to and share ideas. And then it was when we finally decided to we're gonna retreat. Yes. We're gonna take ourselves away and we're actually gonna talk with other entrepreneurs about what are our goals? And like everyone shared their individual goals. And then out of nowhere, it was like magic. It was like, you know what we should do? Yes. A Twitter chat. Yeah. And I think because we've been taught in our stories now, I'm in the early childhood sector where it's birth through third grade. And Carla, you know, she's K-12 and she's, you know, you're doing the upper grades. And we were talking Mm -hmm. about similar stories. And despite the fact that it's two different um, age spectrums of the students, Uh, the teachers that work with those students, it was still the same issues. It was really the same issues. And then we started talking about representation. 
And where are our Latina teachers in our state? You know, and then it got bigger. Well, nationally, where are they? And how come I only see uh, maybe a few teachers, at, you know, at the teacher level? Why aren't there any at the administrative level, at the higher up level? Um, not too many look like us. But yet the students that we're working with, it's a high number of Latino students that, especially here in Arizona, I was seeing the stats. It was like almost 50%. K-12 students, I didn't didn't find as Latino, but yet only a fraction of those are um, teachers that are Hispanic, that are um, Latino as well. Yes. So. Mm -hmm. And we hear all the time. So, of course, being a teacher and I'm already in my, I think it's my 11th year in education. Yeah. But either that or 10th. But we're constantly talking about how students thrive when their teachers look like them, when they actually see someone in front of them who resembles them that they can then dream a little bit and say, well, if my teacher looks like me and has been able to accomplish this, maybe I can do that too. Um, and that's true for especially boys of color. So there are, I want to say, I, I'm i totally pulling this out of thin air, but I'm pretty sure I'm accurate. 2% of the teaching population is black men. So I, I don't doubt it. Yeah. When we are saying our students need to see themselves in educators to be able to dream and to be able to feel like there's a chance for them to be successful. The same is true for professionals. I, since I've been here, you are the only Latina that is also an entrepreneur that I can find. <laughs> that I can think of now because, you know, we do our- Dang, quarter- I got to market. We, we do our quarterly entrepreneurship yeah. group and every, every quarter we invite somebody new in and with the exception of ABC Spanish. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm blanking on her name. From our group? Yes. Um, it's not now. Cindy's over. And then there's just, and then I'm trying to think too. Don't put me on the spot. I've had tequila. Okay. We will, we will remember. I know. We'll, it'll Which come to us. Which is terrible to say. Yes. But the, the point that I'm making is yeah. that I'm like, where are the people who look like me that are doing what I do? I, yeah, as soon as I embarked on the entrepreneurial thing, I journey, I was like, well, let me go find other people who are doing what I'm doing, both in the physical realm yeah. of Arizona and close to me, but let me see what people are doing nationally. And there are so many people that, are, that I think, man, I really admire what that person's doing, or I'd love to emulate that, or I kind of want to go in that direction. And so I'm learning from people. And then all of a sudden I realize, oh my God, mm. none of them are Latinos. Yeah. I And it's... It's just one of those where I'm like, well, where are we? Because I know yeah. that we have good ideas and I know that we have aspirations and I know that we have dreams. Well, what is stifling us and what is preventing us from reaching our fullest potential? And I see it. I've seen it where I do have uh, Latina um, colleagues, but because we're in our early childhood bubble, I you're right. I have not seen any outside of that in the upper K-12 um, field. And so when you came across and we were talking about some of our issues, I'm like, oh my God, yes, let's, we need to connect. We need to get this together because if we're ta- having this conversation, that means others are having it too. Mm-hmm. And so we need to bring awareness to that. For so, sure. Yeah. I couldn't even believe where I'm like, well, let's do a hashtag Latinas in Ed chat. But I was like, well, ever the entrepreneur, I'm like, let's make sure no one has that yeah. yet. And I looked it up and maybe in the last two or three years, there were maybe 10 people that had used that hashtag and I thought to myself how yeah because like you said I'm I'm willing to bet all of my life savings that people are having this conversation but nobody has taken the initiative or the leap to say well let's go ahead and talk about it let's actually create a formal ed chat about yeah. it yeah and I know that we had this conversation about why Latinas in ed 
um, and I've, I've explained this to others as well, was for me, I, I want to speak to something that I can directly relate to. So, and, you know, as, as a woman of color and as a Latina, I think there's some double barriers that come up. And so I wanted just to be able to speak to that. So that's why I'm like, no, I, this is very much niche for, for me at least. And so we decided let's keep it at Latinas, right? For sure. And I, you know, the whole, cause let's use buzzwords, ding, 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 intersectionality, right? There is, there are things that are keeping us behind um, or that are impeding our path to growth because we're women. And there are things that are impeding our path to to growing as professionals because we're Latina. Yes. And I want to talk about both of those. Yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, I have been, I'm a part of this entrepreneurship group and I've been to two of the breakfasts that they, that they host. And I think they cap it at around 35 in the room. Both times that I have gone, there have never been more than 10 women in the room. What? Right. And we make up uh, like 51% oh, 50 of the population. One, yes. We're just a little bit healthier <laughs> and more resilient as babies. But um, I also went to get dance lessons the other day with Kyle just for fun. Yeah. And right outside the venue, they were doing a happy hour for entrepreneurs, three women. Oh, wow. Not okay. No. I mean, my, and this could be a whole nother thing. I've, I've had these conversations with other entrepreneurs about female entrepreneurs. For me, um, the on-site childcare. <laughs> I have, I have a teenager and I have a preschool child. And many of the groups that I come across with mompreneurs, that's what we're dealing with as well. There's this other, you know, surface dynamic as well. So, I mean, the, the the needs are there. We just have to be loud about, hey, let's focus on this. So Yes. And I want to focus on it. And I also want to provide solutions. Yeah. Because I don't want the Latinas in Ed chat to become a bitch fest. No. It's like, oh my gosh, the man keeping no. me down. It's like, great, that. what are we going to do about it? We're creating a community so that we can support one another and that we can provide a platform for one another for success. Yes. So if you haven't already done so, we created a Twitter handle at Latinas in Ed, and it's um, I-N-E-D, capital, Latinas in Ed, um, on Twitter, if you haven't already done so, and you just follow along the hashtag. I also wanted to talk about, I mean, we're going to tell you it's next Tuesday is our first Twitter chat, uh, 7 p.m. on Twitter. and August 21st? Yeah, August 21st. I wanted to also mention about I'm like excited about this whole press release thingy and bringing awareness. It's just, to me, I don't believe like things are coincidence. I think it's the universe telling, giving us a sign and an opportunity. This thing that opened up for us about bringing more awareness um, with representation here at the local level in Arizona. Can you talk a little bit about that? I will and I won't because I don't want to rain on their parade. Yeah, I I don't know to what extent if this is going out before, but I was approached we were approached really, but it was that somebody had my contact information yeah. and my personal email. Um, because as we were deciding to do this chat, I thought, well, I'm going to tell everyone that I can. Yeah. So I sent emails to strangers. I sent emails to organizations. Yes, you did. <laughs> I mean, I just made a list of all the people that I decided needed to know about this to help us spread the word. And this is also where I realized that resilience and not letting, not taking things personally is really important because yeah. I sent. I must have sent at least 20 to 30 emails and I got one in return that said, this is great. Can I have a one pager so that I can share at my board meeting? And I thought, well, thanks for the support folks. (laughs) Well, it turned out that apparently 
just, you know, etiquette in general between emails and text messages. Yes. We've now arrived at a place in our society where people don't feel obligated to respond, mm. which can get really irritating to me because I'm mismanners. Like, <laughs> if you read it, respond. If it's not relevant, tell me. Yeah. If you like it, tell me. But yeah. don't just ghost me, yeah. even though I understand that this is a cold email. That's a long way of saying people still noticed it and people still read the email in spite of not responding or despite not responding because this person that contacted me about this new initiative and this new campaign in Arizona to try and push and urge and coax the governor to appoint more more Latinos to positions that aren't elected seats but are appointed seats because one of the people who didn't respond to my email read it. And then this person, Luis Avila, contacted them and said, hey, we're doing this initiative. Do you know of any Latin educators who might be really good fits to speak at this event? And that person, whoever, he's like, you know, so-and-so, she got your email. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. Because <laughs> one, I emailed strangers. And two, <laughs> she didn't reply. Um, but apparently she said, yeah, I got this email. And there are these two ladies, Marissa and Carla, and they are doing this Latinas in Ed chat. And they're launching it. And I bet you they would be really great for it. <laughs> and so here we are. Now you're going and you're speaking. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah I'm going. Um, I mean, I've done stuff like this before. So uh but I think it's great because it it's another platform, however it pans out or whatever. I know that um, on the interwebs, I've been seeing just at the national level, that conversation about misrepresentation, um, a lack of in the K-12 space just nationally for teachers you know, of color, especially the Latinos. Hispanic population is growing. Like we cannot deny the status, the, the, the data. It's, it's happening, whether you like it or not. Um, so we talked about, like, I know with some outside early childhood or outside ed folks, we were they were asking me, why do you think that, Manisa? Why do you think that there's not enough uh, Latina teachers um, in those spaces? And I know for Arizona, I mean, it's hard to get teachers in general in the classroom right now. We, you know, we have this crisis of teacher shortage. And I don't know. I, I, I was telling Carla, I'm like, I'm definitely going to investigate more on the data. What is going on that we're not, is it equity or is it equality? Like, what is going on? Because we need that representation there. Our state's um, Latino population is not going to diminish. It's going to get bigger. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it has to do with our policies because we are uh, in, the, in our classrooms. K-12 is an English-only instruction state. So maybe that deters some folks. You know, we have a lot of bilingual teachers. Perhaps that might deter them. Um, There's only so many slots in some of those schools that offer dual language programs. Maybe it's our salary. You know, that's a huge heated red for ed button right there with our salaries. Right. I don't know if you want to chime in on that. I feel like there isn't one answer. No, there isn't one answer. But when you think about... So there are certain things that have now become luxuries in our country that weren't luxuries before. So by this, I mean, so something as simple as Whole Foods is a luxury. That is a privilege. Not everyone can have organic Whole Foods. Not everyone can afford to eat well. Yeah. Another thing that has become a luxury and almost like a status symbol is fitness. Mm -hmm. So I go to Orange Theory Fitness and I have the privilege of a fiance who finances all of my habits. (laughs) 
Um, but that cost me $170 for an unlimited pasta orange theory fitness. So, and the granted, yes, LA fitness is 30 bucks a pop and I'm sure a lot of people can afford that. Right. But at the end of the day, I know that I'm not going to get the workout I need. And I know that this is like the closest I can get to a personal trainer. Mm. And so really I'm thinking, okay, so there are certain things that have now become status symbols that I really do believe that the teaching profession is becoming the same as shopping at Whole Foods, the same as being able to afford Pilates or Orange Theory Fitness. You have to be able to afford it. Like we are really getting to the point where in order for you to become a lifelong educator, you actually have to have a partner or a spouse that is essentially making enough money for you to pursue your passion. It should not be something in this country. It, we should not be or be arriving at the point that the only people who can stay are the ones who can afford it, are wealthy enough and um have side jobs. And, yeah, or but then it does, it's no longer a passion, no. right? Because if you love the profession, but you have to do something on the side in order to make ends meet, you're grumpy, you're fatigued, yeah. you're not getting your fill, your soul filled in other ways over the weekends that you need to be, like spending time with friends or family or going to a yoga class. Who you know? Who yeah. knows? Um, that self care, man. That self care, and so I, it's just really sad. I just feel like we are losing people who truly are. Teaching can be very much an art form and who are passionate about it because they don't have the luxury of a spouse or a trust fund or other ways, other means of making sure that they have their basic needs met. Yeah, the sustainability. That's just my theory, though. I haven't tested it. I actually think that's a really great perspective. I mean, I, I knew that was there, but when you explain it like that, it absolutely makes sense. Why am I going, when I'm in, I'm just thinking about that student teacher. Um, that's in that process of, I don't know, do I want to continue in this path to finish and be a teacher? Do I, how am I going to, how am I going to survive? I was just commenting to Carla that I work with one of the school commenting districts. Commenting to me? Uh, to you today about the oh. school district. Um, yeah, up, up north um, in Flagstaff and how certain areas in our community yeah. are super expensive and to live at. And we have teachers that are rooming together. And I know you did that at one point you were mentioning back in the day. Um, But then you have to grow up at some point and, you know, a fiance or you're going to get married. And now you can't continue teaching in that school district because it's too expensive. And it was a term, somebody called it like professional poor, something like that. If somebody wants to message me what that is or if I got it correctly. It's not quite that, but I know I've heard it. That theme that's, yeah, professional poor, something like that. And I, I believe it. It's really unfortunate um, because these this these are the the folks that have to get kids excited about the world and learning about it. Yeah, and when you think about la, la, the Latino population here in Arizona, there are people. I think this might also be a phenomenon not only of Latinos but most people in situ in that are coming from lower income backgrounds, which in this country happens to be minorities frequently. Yeah, um, or people whose parents are recent, if they're first generation Americans and their parents immigrated to the United States, there is also a sense of responsibility Mm -hmm. that if my parents made the sacrifices that they made in order for me to come here and be able to get educated there, I do believe there's also a sentiment of, I know I didn't make work that hard for you and to get you through to and through college for you to then become a teacher when we need you we like literally our family we need you to become an engineer an Uh, attorney a doctor because 
there we aren't coming from middle class backgrounds we aren't coming from a situation where our parents are still working they they've already saved up for retirement they're 65 we've got our second home on the beach and our boat that we take <laughs> out right so when there's also this obligation to your family and to yeah. take care of them um teaching isn't going to cut it that's interesting too and i bet you it depends on your family culture i mean in in my culture and i'm Mexican. I'm pretty Mexican. I've what? Been told. No, I'm, I'm pretty Mexican. I'm saying, you're so Mexican. I'm like, what does that mean? I'm just me. Um, I mean, in my family, being a teacher and educator, profesora is highly respected. Um, and I don't know if it's just because of my family, um, the, the culture I was, I was raised in. Um, while my mom didn't finish, I think she didn't finish junior high, but she's still I consider her to be ridiculously smart. My dad too, he finished high school, didn't finish college, but you know, maybe it depends on the culture you, you were brought up. But I, I have heard that. I, I know. I've heard that in certain communities about, no, we don't, we don't want you to be a teacher. I mean, now that I think about it, I remember my daughter at one point, I have a teenager, she's going to be 18 next month. It's crazy. And she was telling me what she wanted to be. And at that time I was working in the social services sector. And my job was crisis intervention at the time. I was working with teachers as well. We had foster care children that were in these classrooms. And I was uh, 10-hour shifts, and I was working every other weekend. I was on call. It was very social services re related. And I remember Salma, she was like, Mom, I think I'm going to do, I want to be a social worker. I'm like, no, you will not be a social worker. No, 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 mija. You are going to be like a doctor or something, something. <laughs> You can just do your, um, you can donate money, honey. Trust me, we will figure out a way to, to give back to society. Isn't that something? <laughs> but now that you say that, that does, re I reflect on that. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's true. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah, we want to see, I mean, I don't know any parent who doesn't see I, I work this hard because I, I bust my ass because I want my kid to do better than me. Yeah. And we're now in a position in this country where unfortunately teachers aren't venerated and they aren't honored at the level that they're supposed to be. So our parents are like, ooh, like it's, it's so sad that people think that it, they hear people say, I want to be a teacher. And for many people, the first thought in their mind is that's wasted talent. Yeah. And that's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Can we curse on here? Absolutely. Um, I will notate it on the show notes. And we have, we're forgetting something like a very, very glaring real problem, which is that we're not graduating oh, people of color yeah. at the same rate that we are graduating everybody, everybody else. else. Yeah. Yes. And why is that? And you need a bachelor's mm -hmm. degree to teach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, at the very minimum. Um, All kinds of reasons. That's just three. <laughs> How long do we have? <laughs> Oh my goodness. You see this? You see the truth bombs? I love it. But that's why we need to elevate it. Like we need to we need to create a platform which we've done for ourselves, right? Yeah. No one was coming around being like, "Excuse me, we'd really like you to start a Latinas in a chat." We had to start it ourselves. No one was like, "Hey, you know what would be really great? Could you do me this favor? Could you start your own podcast?" Like, no one's going to do that. So, we have to elevate ourselves. We have to put ourselves in the spotlight and we have to continue to be a source and find sources of inspiration for other Latinas of all ages yeah. to just pursue their dreams. Yeah, I think you really hit it there about creating your own platform because we were talking about, well, is there anybody else that's doing this? And is there, you know, is somebody else having this conversation? Who's leading this conversation? And just your point about, you know, creating your own platform, I think speaks volumes because oftentimes 
we think somebody else is doing. And if you are passionate about something and you don't see it, it being highlighted, start it. Start it. And then there's this sneaky little nasty voice that comes into your head and it's like, well, who do I think I am that I should lead Yes. This? Yes. I'm not good enough to lead this. Yes. That, I'm great. We're great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's what happened with my podcast in the beginning. I was like, why would anybody want to hear me? Like, what is, why do people want to hear about this stuff? Really? And I am so glad I did not listen to myself at that first initial time. And I just recorded and busted it out. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're doubting yourself, you're listening to us, um, whether you are an uh, educator or a parent or um, entrepreneur that's listening to this episode, do it, start it. Find, if you can find a buddy, find a colleague. I think the buddy system has helped yeah, the partnering Me, crime for sure. For sure. For mm-hmm. sure. There's power in numbers. Yeah. There's power in the buddy. And there's an like accountability piece too. You have mm-hmm. someone else. Yeah, I got to get this done. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then you get an email, right? If I'm not thinking about Latinas in it for a while and I get an email from you, I'm like, ooh, I need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I promised. <laughs> like when was that again? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think I wanted – if we wanted to – there was another point that I wanted to cover, but – Hashtag Latinas in Ed for sure. I know you have your podcast. How is that going? Pretty good. You're starting your second season. I cracked too. 500 listeners Did you? <laughs> or downloads. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. Yay. I mean, it's better than, you know, how many people Whatever. listen to me on most days, which yeah. is not very many. <laughs> it's all relative. I, I seriously, like, what am I comparing this to? Yeah, me. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Very cool. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I find it really fun. I really enjoy the editing part. I know you don't like to edit. You're no. like, no, let's just make this as good as we can on the first try. And yeah, I'm like, like we can trail off. You can, you know, talk to me about your dead uncle and I'll just cut it out if I don't need it. So I'll go from like 60 minutes to like 20. Oh, I, I, wow. I shave like two thirds off of my interviews. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. No, so it's I a little like fabricated. The there are also some things that I'll put in the beginning of the podcast episode that really were discussed at the end and I make it sound seamless. So sometimes I even make my guests sound smarter than they sounded in the episode. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at you. If you guys haven't heard Carla's podcast, it's Epiphany. Epiphany? Epiphany on iTunes. Everywhere. Ding. I feel like it should be like Epiphany. Ding. Ding. A little light bulb. Yeah. I love it. I I love it. I I know I listen. Very informative. I love I love hearing about your teachers what they're doing and their books that they're reading and making sure I'm on top staying on top of it too. Yeah. What I also like about mine is I think a lot of times people and yours too actually, but then again you do get some high flyers like really important people that you can land on an interview. Um, but for mine it's just everyday educators. I don't want anyone to know who who my guests are. I just want them to feel like this is somebody that they might stumble upon in yeah. the break room. Yeah. And just have a conversation with I them. think as long as there are these type of podcasts being put out, especially from us, Latinas, um, to create awareness and to create outside of our education bubble, that's my big thing. For me, it does not do me any good to talk about these topics within our early childhood, I would say early childhood or just education bubble. I want the stakeholders to know what's going on. I want parents to be aware of what's going on because they're the ones that vote with their feet. They're the ones that are making those phone calls to their representatives. Like that piece is super important. Otherwise, then yeah, we're just shooting the shit and talking about shop. You know what I mean? I want it. That's that long term impact for me as well. Um, but I don't know. It's so far so good. I think so. I think it's a fun adventure. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love it. Um, let me think. Any where are we at with time? Oh, good. See that? I know. 
We're right on time. We're right on time. Um, just, so just a reminder, we got Latinas in Ed coming up next week, Tuesday, August 21st. Hashtag Latinas in Ed. Follow the Twitter chat through there, um, through the page. Check out Carla's podcast as well, Ed Epiphany. You guys know mine, Early Childhood Journeys. Hopefully, um, we'll have some more of these type of episodes. And hopefully, we can work ourselves out of our job. Because I want to make it a non-issue. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. Absolutely. The luxury that white people have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that I feel like our Latinanis is constantly up for discussion, right? Where it's yeah. like, oh, it's almost like, you know, when you're a mom, when they're like, how do you do it all, Jan? You've got this full-time job and you're a high-powered exec and you've got a family. How do you do it? And, you know, women get annoyed because they're like, you know, men have kids too. Yeah. And we don't ask them yeah. this question. I feel like people might do the same to us. Be like, how do you do it? You've got a podcast. You've started an ed chat. And as a Latina, that must be real hard. How do you do it? Like, I want it to be a non-issue and be like, other people have podcasts, but I feel like right now we've put ourselves in a situation where like I have to talk about being Latina as opposed to sometimes white people can just start a blog or a podcast because they're like, I just really love bugs. Yeah. And so I'm going to talk about bugs and we don't have to talk about my race or ethnicity or how cool it is that I'm doing a podcast on bugs because I'm a white guy because no one talks about that (laughs) because it doesn't occur, right? So like (laughs) if I were to be like, hey, y'all, my name is Carla Tivera Cruz and I love bugs, inevitably it would come up that people would be like, oh my God, that's so great that you're talking about bugs. But let's talk about the fact that you're a Latina talking about bugs. And it's just like, I want us to get to the point where it is so common for people of color to be pursuing their passions and to be in positions of leadership that no one even mentions, how do you do it? Mm. No one even asks that question. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. that's my objective. So hopefully we only have to do like one round of Latinas in Ed for one academic year and then we just quash it. Squash it. It's no longer. <laughs> I mean, but then we can talk about <laughs> highlighting stuff, right? That's true. Yeah. Like, I don't want to like completely dismiss that I am Latina either. That's true. Right? But we can, but it's not as like a, I know that, that angle you're talking about. It just, I don't think I articulated just, that it's well. It's a matter but. of fact. It just happens to be a matter of fact, mm-hmm. you know? Because for me, yeah, I'm fucking Latina. And mm-hmm. I, and, but I definitely want to make sure that I'm a appealing to all audiences as well yeah. so and that people are here for your content yes I, I feel like the way I like to also phrase it sometimes it's a lot easier for people to see in terms of disability right yeah. if someone has one arm and does a podcast people are gonna be like wow you do this podcast tell us about how you have one arm <laughs> it's like that's not what my podcast is about <laughs> no I know I know I do have my little um because I know that this stuff comes up I do have like this Cronicas Chilindrinas group that I have because I wanted to specifically address our Latino population, our Spanish speaking population, parents and educators um, that work with Spanish speaking or monolinguals. So I'm like, you know what? Okay, so I'm not going to do it on this one, but I definitely that's that's happening. I can't be blind to that. For sure. Let me do my little Cronicas Chilindrinas stuff and see how that goes. For that niche. And that's important too. But yeah. if one day you want to start your podcast about baking, I mean, I you can. You can do that too. I, I've, I've, <laughs> I don't know if you I've, bake. I, I just made that No, up. I know. I know. And I've heard some of those. I've heard some of those and they're really cool. They're kind of descriptive. I mean, you know, Are they? Yeah. How do you do a, a radio show about cooking? I feel like well, you Well, I listen see it. to the PBS food. Really? They're so good. <laughs> you have to remember, Carla, I'm, I drive a lot. <laughs> I drive statewide. I was just telling Carla that I'm coming going up to Page next week actually to work with some kindergarten teachers in the area um and she was saying that 
you know, she's not too familiar with outside of Maricopa County, really. And I'm like, oh my God. Way to put me on blast. I've been, it's it's all good. That's what I'm here for, to educate you, (laughs) (laughs) to enlighten you. I'm like, yeah, Page, Arizona, it's beautiful. It's like the Grand Canyon, like the vistas. I'm going to go check that out, work with some kindergarten teachers, hopefully make some more connections, talk about us as well, the podcast and the hashtag, bringing more awareness. So that's it for me. I don't know if you got anything else. I got nothing else. I'm just really excited to embark on this. Me too. Hashtag Latinas in it. Hashtag. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening.